Welcome back, everyone, to Point of Sale, where we break down great retailers and the data that moves their supply chains. I'm excited to be back and talking with you guys, especially about today's topic, which is warehousing and warehousing management techniques. But before we dive into that with our guests later, we need to point out a couple of interesting areas to know in the area of warehousing. Uh, First one is, I think, probably the most impactful is our vacancy rates at this point. And it's at... uh, if you remember the ban, an all-time low, uh, with rent expected to rise at least 10% year-over-year as well, uh, according to Prologis, a logistics warehousing firm. And actually, at the end of 2021, vacancy rates sat at just 3.4%. And that's even with 270 million square feet of space entering the market that year. Now, we're looking to forward to adding about 390 million square feet of space uh, this year in the U.S. Uh, domestic market. But the problem here lies that 70% of that is actually already pre-leased. And actually, this is a huge problem because as we saw about 14% increase in e-commerce as a whole, uh, warehousing space would actually need to expand about 50% more than that 390 uh, in order to actually avoid any type of supply chain disruptions due to a lack of warehousing space. I mean, you're even seeing it now. A lot of retailers, a lot of companies are going to be moving towards intermodal to even use that that rail space as moving warehousing space, as, as it may. Uh, We've had on the guest before Stock in Motion, right, which is a company that's helping uh, merchants sell their their, uh, goods that are in transit to warehousing, which might actually be more needed than we might think if if there's no place to actually put that stock. So uh, standing alone at just space needed in general, we have a huge problem ahead of us. So let's pretend that you do find space. Well, Who's actually going to work there? Uh, According to Instaworks State of Warehouse Labor, 75% of warehousing managers said they don't feel prepared for what 2022 demand is telling them they need, again, with that 14% rise in e-commerce. And why is that? Well, 73% of them said they're struggling to attract employees. And only 6% of all respondents said they're able to find the required workforce needed for the amount of warehousing needs that that merchants and e-commerce is now asking for. And even worse is that 72% of those respondents already increased pay. And as we know, as you increase pay in this industry, it's difficult, beyond difficult to bring that back down, Uh, especially if we're dealing with inflation like we are right now. There's there's no way you're going to be able to bring that pay down while also continuing to attract more employees. So what actually makes this all really, really bad is warehousing is extremely old. And we're not talking low-end boomer old. We're talking, or we're actually talking more of that high age Gen X, closer towards 50 years. I mean, the average warehousing age right now is like 48 years. And less than, less than 14% is 10 years old. So as we start increasing the amount of space in this warehouse, so we will bring those age, that average age down, but what, what lies with that type of problem? Well, uh, it's not built for the type of technologies that we'd like to put in our warehouses, like automated manual robotic systems or picking systems and things of that nature. So we just have a huge 
big smorgasbord of, of problems that we're not going to be able to fix unless we actually can somehow manage our warehouses a little bit better. Well, uh, where does that come from? Uh, biggest thing that we want to focus on is well, technology. You know, what are warehousing warehousing uh, managers using as their warehouse management systems, or you know, how are they optimizing their space with their the way that they're picking? How are they how are they managing their yard? Right? Are we dropping trailers? Are we using that extra space in the trailer as warehousing space within the facility or within the gated facility of these different warehouses? There's a number of different places that we can really look towards, and we really are looking um, at different management companies, warehouse management system companies, to step up and start facilitating those needs. So again, biggest things that we need to look for are warehouse management systems that can optimize the available space and layout of already existing an unfortunately older warehousing space that is more likely available than most of the new. Uh, yard management systems to keep those trucks flowing in and out to meet demand. And if we're talking about trying to find labor, imagine the labor that we're talking when it comes to even trucks and, and uh, trucks within the yard as well. And then lastly, labor management systems to attract and attain available talent. Uh, I think that's one thing I've really found. I have a couple of friends that work for more advanced warehousing companies and they actually really enjoy their job because it feels more like a video game. So being able to invest in that type of, of technology is actually going to help you retain and, and keep that talent that's needed in order to meet demand. And luckily with us today, I have our guest, uh, Dan Waters. He's the vice president of sales at the warehouse management solutions company Made for Net. And they take care of a lot of these problems. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad you're able to make it. Very good to be here, Grace. Very good <laughs> to be here. Thank you. Of course. And, you know, we're just talking about a different variety of problems within warehousing, the, the, the lack of space to begin with, how old a lot of the space is, and, of course, labor. And I figured you would be the best person for us to talk to about these problems. Uh, could you give the audience a brief background of your time in warehousing and, and what brought you to Made for Net? Well, certainly. Well, I mean, if you look high level, I call myself I'm part of the 2020 club. So I spent 20 years in operational management and warehouse management systems. And I spent, you know, 20 years really doing warehouse management system technology. So sales and consulting. Um, and really how I got into the industry was trying to automate an operation. Ended up going to the trade show circuit and learned that there was such a thing called a warehouse management system. And then just basically major career change right in the middle of it. So I basically drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> well, it's a Kool-Aid that I'm sure tastes real, real good. Enough sugar, not, not too much sugar, perfect amount of water. And uh, at Made for Now, what are your core offerings? Where are you helping companies really manage their warehouses to, to optimize their available space? Right, so Made for Net is a privately held software vendor, you know, we're focused solely on supply chain execution systems. Everything is anchored in a tier one WMS, so warehouse management system, but then we also offer complementary modules. So we offer yard management, we offer, you know, dynamic truck routing, driver proof of delivery systems, full engineered labor standards, and then also get into warehouse control systems where we're able to drive automation as well as the people within the warehouse. So it's really a full suite of products that you'd need wall-to-wall -wall distribution model. 
When you're actually talking with customers today, what is the most popular solutions? Where Where's the biggest problems that many of your customers are, are facing today? Well, it really starts in the warehouse because it's either someone who's been relying on an enterprise resource package or an ERP system that they're running paper-based in the warehouse, and they're trying to figure out how do they get to that next step. But more commonly, you'll see someone who has already entered the automation world. They've started to work on warehouse management systems within the four walls of the warehouse, and then they realize they can't get to what they're trying to do. So really, the focus is inventory accuracy, being able to control those shrinks, being able to get those inventory turns, and then be able to manage that labor efficiently. So you can really drive that coefficient between volume and labor is really where it's focused on, accuracy and labor control. I can't imagine that some of those paper-focused operations are, one, easy, or make it easy for those companies to scale, but two, are retaining the labor that is out there today, managing their lives off of you know, cell phones, right? So do you find that a lot of them are really pushing those paperless type of systems within their warehouse? Right. The goal is to go paperless. But, you know, and, and it really does attract, I would say, a better workforce because, as you said, I mean, it's very competitive now to get labor forces within a warehouse. And if you're running a very basic operation where the job is very tedious and not very interesting, it doesn't really become as appealing to the warehouse where they get to interact with automation and they get to interact with robotics and they get to interact with conveyance. So, I mean, often you'll see an Amazon come to town and then they'll pull employees out of existing distribution centers. So there's always that push and pull. So I do see customers saying, I want to put the automation to the floor because it's going to attract these employees. And that's really one of the big challenges out there. Uh, speaking of challenges, so clearly with your 2020 history and in, in operations and warehousing, uh, what are the biggest changes that you've seen now that technology is actually being implemented into warehousing operations? And do you find that changes at all based on the market or, or industries that you're serving? Yeah, I would say high level, the biggest thing they're trying to do is be able to integrate with partners. So how can I streamline the flow of data that I'm receiving from, say, my suppliers? And how do I streamline the flow of information that I'm getting from, you know, you know, my customers that I'm trying to deliver to? Do I staff people to manage these communications or the way to integrate these systems? And that's really where I see a big piece of it going, more so even in the 3PL world. Because you'll see people doing startup operations, you know, they're, they're moving a couple of small items and they hire a 3PL to put it in there. But then they get the luxury of that full 3PL giving them their look in the industry as, as a, you know, a fully mature distributor of an item when really it is they started out of their parents' garage and it's the 3PL that's doing it all. So integration between these systems, whether it's you know warehouse to warehouse, whether it's vendor to warehouse, whether it's customer to warehouse, but really integrating these systems is really a big move across the board. Yeah, which I uh, sounds like a, what's really great about MadeForNet is that it's a it's also made for scaling. <laughs> Right. Like the ability to maybe start with a few different areas of, of warehouse management, but grow into those different offerings and those different integrations. Do you feel like uh, companies come to you 
looking for that opportunity to continue growing and, and scaling their operations and maybe warehousing networks? Right. And that happens a lot. You'll see somebody starting with a basic operation and they have opportunity to get into a different product line or a larger product line. And then they realize that they have to, you know, develop internal processes. They have to internal every, they have to manage everything they're going to be able to do in the system. So they're looking for a mature WMS that'll help them start at one level and then be able to scale as large as they want to go. I mean, like you look at our typical customer base, you know, we've got warehouses as small as 10 users in it. And then we're standardized globally with, you know, some of the largest organizations in the world where we've got hundreds of warehouses. So it really is the beginning to be able to start small and grow is a big point. Well, in this past year, we've seen so many different areas of disruption between market swings, um, issues at ports, international problems, things of that nature. What changes have you seen retailers making to gain a better control of their supply chains in response to all this disruption that we've seen over the past few years? Probably the biggest thing I've seen is on the grocery retail side. A lot of the distributors, like if you look at your regional grocer, you know, it, it could possibly be a grocery store that has maybe 20 or 30 stores in a regional area. And they, for the most part, are buying from a distributor. They're not buying direct and they're not housing an inventory. So with all these yeah. shortages that they had through COVID, they were dependent on their suppliers' availability of inventory. And they had no control to manage their own shelves and the fulfillment of their shelves. So now I see that medium grocer going out and building warehouses and trying to take positions on inventory to be able to solidly supply their own distribution channels. So that's really what I see happening is people trying to get away from being dependent on containers coming across the ocean or being subject to someone else's availability. They're trying to take their own positions on inventory. Well, that makes the integration aspect that you spoke of even more important, right? Working with all those different partners to build that network takes a a lot of uh, work. And, And imagine if your system couldn't, integrate all of those different partners, then you're you're talking about a lot of outside integration costs and continuously improving your own technology in-house. That, that takes a lot. So I'm sure the partnership that you're able to create for them, it, it makes it super powerful as they continue. I mean, someone like Grocery, you're can, always going to be adding new vendors and, and new products, right? So it takes someone long-term that you're going to want to be a partner with. Right. And that, that, that's part of it is have the interoperability of the system to be able to integrate. But, but more so, it's them being able to take control of their own operations, being able to manage their internal costs, being able to manage their internal inventories, but then be able to keep the supply to the customer. That's the biggest point. And how you do that is you integrate with as many of your partners as you can. If you uh, were talking with uh, one of our listeners or warehouse managers out there today who um, might just be working in old systems, a lot lot of Excel, a lot of paperwork everywhere, uh, what advice would you give them? Where are areas that from just your expertise that you know are are probably really great areas that can start adding technology into their warehouse? Right. Well, I, I would say it begins with good processes. You know, often I'll get called into a warehouse. The first thing I like to do is get in, look at it, put boots on the ground and really see what's happening. And the main rule across the board is if the operation is a mess, 
and you automate that mess, all you're going to get is a faster mess. So it's important. Mm-hmm. Advice I would give is to make sure you have defined processes. Make sure you know what your challenges are. Make sure you know what your goals are. And then if you're not able to create these processes yourself or not able to implement the change you need on the floor, then there's a large consulting community out there that's available mm-hmm. to go in and do this kind of work pre-automation. So big thing is, you know, it's about processes and it's about automating those existing processes, as opposed to thinking you're going to buy a warehouse management system and it's going to magically fix everything. It's going to move things faster, more accurately, and efficiently utilize those resources. It's not going to fix a bad process. Yeah, I love that. Uh, well, you know, let's let's have a little bit of fun in this episode, right? Uh, we have a game that we like to play here with our guests called What Kind of Consumer Are You? There's been just so many different trends that have come up over the last uh, couple of years. And so I, I like to gauge exactly how many of those are, are accurate or if maybe people are going back to their original trends. And I think perfect uh, question for you as well with a lot of the customers that you serve. Um, my first question to you would be, do you still go grocery shopping at the grocery store or do you buy groceries through a delivery service application? My home still goes to the store. I live in a kind of a rural area where it's touchy-feely at the store and we still go to the store. I've made many attempts to be able to use the apps and time the delivery, but personally, my household still goes to the store. Yeah. You know, I, for the longest, was an app person, especially when it came to COVID's high peak during the pandemic. But I recently moved near a really incredible, uh, what you call like a farmer's market. So, that experience, you know, is like you said, very touchy feel. It's a very fun experience. So I, I think I'm going back to my old ways there too. Um, here's a good one. Do you ever, this is, I, I've noticed trends more female, but do you ever bracket buy when you buy clothes online? So buy like a size or two either way up and down um, with the intention of returning one of those items of clothing? I hate to admit it, but yes, <laughs> my wife and I are both bracketeers <laughs> and, and, and it works well. And we've really sourced out the ones that have the best return policies and the best parcel, yeah. you know, paid on the return. So it's a common practice in my household. <laughs> well, that's common what makes practice. the reverse logistics. Yeah. <laughs> that's what makes reverse logistics so interesting now too. And you have to have that ability within your warehouse, right? So um, it just makes Absolutely. that more challenging. Mm-hmm. And then here's a fun one. Uh, do you still go to the movie theaters or do you just watch all of your movies on demand? <laughs> I have not been to the movie theaters since COVID, um, but, but I'm not against it. And I do believe my wife and I will go back to the theaters. Although right now it's all online. <laughs> yeah, I, I just started. I will say I was pretty... Uh, I think part of it now is movies are returning back to the theaters, right? For the longest, they'd be available in both. But uh, just started going back and, you know, it's actually kind of nice because not many people are going back right now. So you get a lot of a lot of space in there. Uh, for all of our listeners, uh, where can they learn more about Made for Net and reach out to you directly as well? So the best place is go to madefornet.com. That's M-A-D-E, the number four N-E-T dot com. Um, that website, there's a lot of provisions there where you can contact us, you know, 
ask for demos. And there's a lot of resources there that we can really see, you know, customers we're working with, industries we're working with, and more detail on the specific products we offer throughout that supply chain. Love that. Well, everyone, make sure that you head that way. And uh, Dan, I really appreciate your time and your insight. And we'll have to have you on as this uh, crazy supply chain continues to to go through its ebbs and flows. (laughs) Well, I look forward to it. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Of course. And for all of our listeners, you know, Point of Sale is not just a podcast, a show. It's a of course, a newsletter and a community as well. Uh, we have a number of communities, not just point of sale, but check call and uh, loaded and rolling the stock out. And you guys can be a part of all of those as well. Just go to freightwaves.com slash subscribe and you can see a list of all of our different communities. We have bi-weekly newsletters that go out that give you a chance to really gauge exactly what's happening in each of our different communities and allows you actually a chance to talk with us back and forth too. Uh, we actually also have an updated Freightways app um, that even has uh, chat rooms for each of our communities as well. So if there's a fun topic, anyone out there right now who's interested in learning more about warehousing or wants to share their own warehousing stories, you can open up your Freightways app today and go to your point of sale community chat group and uh, and talk about those problems as well. So we give you a lot of different outlets to learn more about the retail retail supply chains and also improve your operations at the same time. And then, of course, I got to plug my favorite thing that I'm doing this, these days, which is my radio show on Sirius XM. So every day, Monday through Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am on the Road Dog Trucking Channel, Channel 146 on Sirius XM, uh, talking with all types of people, not just a lot of the guests that we have on this show, uh, but investors within the space, uh, different technology providers, uh, truck drivers. Uh, we have some really fun already uh, continued callers. And uh, we just chat about everything on there. All of our communities actually get a chance to come on throughout the week. Uh, for instance, on Wednesdays, like today, uh, we have uh, Mary O'Connell who joins us to talk about what's going on with our broker and logistics community. And um, so if you feel like you're you know, headed home and you're on the road and you want to check out some more Freightways news, turn on your radios to SiriusXM channel 146. But best thing about SiriusXM too, it's all on demand. So you can also head over that way uh, and download any episodes, listen to them up to, I want to say, two weeks after they air. So if you're behind, all that content is there for you. And we have uh, actually working on some really cool initiatives with the other uh, shows on that channel throughout the day, including Dave Nemo and Mark Willis. Uh, So you can, again, check us out every single day from 5 to 7 p.m. on the Road Dog Trucking channel some fun laughs. And if you're interested in either being part of that show or even point of sale, feel free to reach out to me at gsharky at freightwaves.com. I'd love to hear more about what's going on in the retail supply chain. Uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have some fun guests uh, looking to talk to you a little bit more about uh, point of sale systems, dive into what's happening more on a global scale when it comes to retailers, how they're managing their supply chains and Really, really interested in seeing what happens as Shanghai begins to open. That should be in the next week as we pass Memorial Day. So 
what how, what is that going to affect inventories? Um, our last newsletter, we talked about the number of retailers, including Walmart and Target, that are sitting at high levels of inventory, close to about 35% between the two of them. Um, so what's going to happen to our supply chains if all that inventory is sitting there? How are they managing that? How are they getting it off the shelves? I'll give you a hint. If it's Walmart, they're rolling back. That's for sure. So uh, make sure that you sign up for those newsletters again at FreightWaves.com slash subscribe so you don't miss any of that content. Other than that, I thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for checking out the show. And I will talk to you all next week.